Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film. From 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes! Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Sadly, the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today. And you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And to quote some uh, really uh, pissed off Romulans, we're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> we're back with the uh, Inglorious Trexperts holiday special. You thought it was over. 16 but more hours not, coming at you. No, not that many. But we got uh, Rob Burnett back from the observatory. And uh, of course, Ashley Edward Miller from the Miller's outpost. So, <laughs> and, and we're back because we were so gratified by the the amazing response to our list um, that uh, we had to come back for more abuse. No, I, honestly, other than the people who were grieved that Star Trek Three was not on on our top one hundred one, why would um, they expect it to? Uh, be? Why would they expect it to be? And they have not yet begun to be aggrieved. (laughs) But but people were very, I think, um, uh, uh, very much in sync with our our choices. And um, uh, I I thought there was a fascinating um, sort of uh, uh, polarization, much like 
this show between number one, between 2001 and Planet of the Apes, amongst the audience as well. That also, uh, people who strongly felt 2001, people who strongly felt Planet of the Apes, and then a few people that strongly felt Star Wars, and what the hell were either of us thinking? <laughs> so, uh, really, really interesting. But today, we kind of look, you know, what did we miss? What do we regret? What are some of our personal regrets? You know, or, you know, some of the, some of the key movies. Because there are definitely a, a bunch of key movies that we, we didn't touch on. So this well, is our the answer, chance. The answer is we didn't miss anything. We were right on everything. Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Shortest podcast ever. But I, I have to say, before we get into that, I don't know what's going on out there. But why didn't you guys tell me how great Only Murders in the Building was? I haven't seen it. <laughs> I oh have. my god! It was really good. It's, it's really so good. good. Oh I my god! I love that time. Been a little busy. What a weird segue, though. It was a weird segue, but you it know what happened in space? It's about you know. podcasts. This is a podcast, and I think if there were any real podcast in which the hosts um, would be called upon to solve an actual murder. I think it would be this one. I think no. it should be this well, one. We have to solve the murder of who killed Star Trek. <laughs> oh, I think we know. Well, Paramount Global. <laughs> I, I, I say gonna, nothing. I'm going to change the subject. I'm only say, I think it would be a great remake of Star Trek Six: Only Murders on the Enterprise. And it's Steve Martin, <laughs> Martin Short, and Selena Gomez who have to find the case of the missing gravity boots. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, like, they're trying to record a captain's log, like, every week. And Well, they, there would be a transporter accident, so we would have one character called Steve Martin Short. <laughs> See, oh, boy. that would be a great podcast only murders on the starship and it, it's about the four of us solving sent out by starfleet to solve murders on different different starships oh. <laughs> that's our next podcast. space the final frontier yeah, unbelievable a, on paramount global that's right <laughs> ncis vulcan wow yeah oh that, i'm sure that's coming no doubt uh, they can combine the franchises. Don't I cross mean... the streams. <laughs> <laughs> you think the Star Trek three comments got people riled up? I think it's best we, <laughs> we 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 move on to something uh, something else. So, um, really interesting. One of the one of the movies that I was shocked came up over and over and over again. Uh, ironically, was the final countdown. On board the USS Nimitz, the most advanced nuclear supership in the American arsenal, carrying a complement of 102 aircraft and 6,000 men, the Nimitz is on routine duty, guarding the waters of the South Pacific. But within minutes, a bizarre, unexplainable phenomenon of nature will transport the Nimitz 40 years back in time. Back to the day of infamy, back to the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. My gosh, look at that. This is the captain. I'm speaking to every man aboard this ship. The storm has had some effect on time, as we know it. It, it created a portal, 
a door into another era. Today is December the 7th, 1941. We're about to fight a battle that was lost before most of you were born. This time, God's help is going to be different. There are forces in the universe which we're only now just beginning to understand. There are black holes in space, antimatter, curved space. Things that are as strange to us as electricity would have been to people in the Middle Ages. Holy cow. The whole Japanese fleet. Our reconnaissance plane has just taken pictures of something that hasn't existed for over 40 years. What have you got? Two Japanese zeros, sir. Splash the zero. expert on what's going to happen tomorrow. Why don't you tell him about it, for God's sakes? Go on, tell him. We got nothing to lose. Welcome to the paradox of time, when past and present become one, and history is actually changed. We've got an incredible opportunity here. We know where all the mistakes are going to be made for the next 40 years, and you've got the power to correct them. The final countdown. Right, but you know what? From 1980, I'll tell you why. Because it's, it's great. Because it's great, and it also is. It is such a compelling idea, and it sticks with you. It just does. And I think that you know that there's value in in saying that that matters and that that's important. Is it like you know the 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 smartest hard sci-fi idea of all time? No. Um, do they miss a terrific opportunity in act three? Yes. But is there something that is undeniably just audacious about it? You bet your ass. Yeah. You know what else is great about that movie is, is how, how seriously the characters within the universe of the movie take the situation. Yeah. Like, like I love the fact that first they're, they're like, wait, what? You know, it, it feels like if a military, if the Nimitz really was transported in time, I feel like the final countdown, it, it's smart. It never panders. And we as the audience and the characters go along the journey and they're not ahead of us. And we, the audience, aren't ahead of them. We're all kind of in it together as you watch it. You know, and Kirk Douglas is trying to grasp it. He, he never just goes, well, that's poppycock. That can't be true. <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to deal with the reality of the situation and they do it in a smart way. Yeah. And and you know the 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 turns that the plot takes, like when they find the luxury boat, you know, and and you've got Charles Durning and, mm-hmm. and Catherine Ross, and and it, it 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 and and then of course the joy of watching American military might overwhelming modern military might take on. Well, it's not so. I mean, it's twenty, it's forty two years old that movie now. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Yeah, okay. It's got that irresistible premise, man. Here's something to, to think about. There's more that. time between that movie and now than there was between what happened in the movie and World War II. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and in fact, 
the the uh, the the planes that they were flying, the F-14 no longer flies. I mean, it would be the the, the technological difference is just is astonishing. Yeah, it is. It would be as if I don't know how well, like we would go back into you know nineteen. 19- 80 and fight but well, well, that, I, I that's know. what we like, need to do though see that that's the <laughs> next, that's the sequel is that right. a modern uh aircraft carrier has to go back to 1980 to then go back to 1942 that's right to pick up the black hole i mean of course like one you know f-35 takes out all the zeros which is like not nearly as compelling but well, how about this the last time we landed on the moon when they made the final countdown was eight years Right. We're now in 2022. We're 42 years later and we have yet to go back to the moon. We haven't even tried to fake it. We haven't even done like the moon landing Capricorn one. We haven't gone back to the moon in 50 years this year. This is the 50th anniversary of the last time we went to the moon. Yeah. 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 Well, don't worry. The Chinese will be there soon. It's true. Um, Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I just want to add about final countdown. I'm I'm less sanguine on this pick. I I feel I'm very comfortable with it not being the top 101. Like everyone, there's much to love about that movie. It's a love, it's a fun movie. It's great. It just didn't make the list. That's all. I love the John Scott score. So good. I I I love the the the, uh, the key art. Um, but I mean, it is it's, it's no Europa. It's it's a Twilight Zone episode, and you know ultimately it, it kind of has that very unsatisfying ending. You know, the whole yeah. movie's leading up to uh, them, you know, intervening in Pearl Harbor. And of course, they can't do that. And I'm not going to spoil the movie. But, you know, other than that one kind of engage, what, yeah, that one <laughs> engagement they have with the Zeros, which is a real rock'em sock'em sequence. Um, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of really dull well, uh, stuff going on in that from movie. From Hero to zero. Well, I think that also the <laughs> it's the residual effects of what happened in near earth orbit as the result of the end of Star Trek the motion picture that actually causes the displacement. Cuz that, that happened a year previously, so you can tell it's clearly the same uh energy or, effects over over V'ger itself that the it, remainder of it sent the Nimitz back in time. You are missing the fact that Superman had only just flown backwards around the planet. Could be that you might be right about that. And, and, the, and the Nimitz still got the caught up in the wake. Yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly it was just right. a vortex from Superman, right? It's no, Listen, it's this movie is no Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan. Yeah, another another movie that we did not include on yeah. our Why list. Why are people not complaining about the non-inclusion of that one? Oh, boy. I can't uh, even you know imagine. what? That, I believe that movie wasn't Michael Nesmith, the producer on that or something. May he and, rest in peace. May he rest in peace. And I'm telling you, Fred Ward going back in time on a motorbike. Could happen. Yeah. Why not? Or, I mean, speaking of motorbikes in the 80s and, uh, you know, why are people not up in arms over crap? Uh, Megaforce. <laughs> right. How did what that a- not have Barry Bostwick? I mean, come on. I mean, it's amazing. You know, the special effects technology of uh, IntroVision was uh, introduced in the year previous in Outland. And then, of course, in 82, just the best use of IntroVision ever in megaforce i mean my god what what advances in special effects technology uh, and the best use of estes model rockets outside of my backyard is the good guys always win even in the 80s and persis combata coming back for her second star turn yeah yeah and now that was the year after nighthawks my friend now with 300 percent more hair 
true. That's right. Three hundred percent of too. zero is. You be quiet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, mega 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 force is, uh, is mega is, mega is, mega force. Fascinating, and and it has not gotten the love over the years. But there's very a reason positive. for that, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I didn't I even get so. the love in that year. It's no, but if we're going to talk about time, there's another movie from 1980 with time in the title. Of course, I'm time. talking about Time Bandits. Damn right, that's, uh, a, that's a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about it. You think a fantasy it falls under fantasy. fantasy? Yeah, I guess so. Even with David, turn the map. Yeah. It was a map. It was God. One spoonful of that will turn you all into warthogs. Or by something. the way, wait a minute. I, I Mommy, can't it's evil. Did we include this nugget from 74? I'm sorry. What about your nuggets? Oh, Zardoz. Zardoz. We did not include Zardoz. Zardoz. But on. does Zardoz really belong in the top no. 101? Yes, no. it does. Yes, it, it does. does. Not. Come on. It does, does too. <laughs> no, yeah, it it's got great sci-fi. It's got immortals. It's got brutals. It's <laughs> it's entirely a fantasy film. But Rob- is it though? Rob's yeah. going to keep holding it up until he convinces you. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> the gun is good. The penis <laughs> is evil. You know, come that kind of looks like a... Just saying. By the way, this Amazing. is, so you know, this is an actual working <laughs> belt buckle. Oh, that's awesome. I just, I bought it, or I, I think Cliff Stevenson got it for me off an Etsy store. Oh, my God. So, we, come on. What's not talk about one? the shape of that? They buried Sean Connery with it. Telling you, I think Zaras is very much a valid science fiction film. It is deals it with it deals with the dystopian film? civilizations. It deals with bored immortal humans that just want to die. into the vortex you will show me how you come to be here ah! tell me everything my name is zed Ozandos. i am an exterminator
you know, they, it, but they were behind the screen. But, oh. <laughs> but it's funny because you say that about Zardoz. And there's a film that I was sure we were going to get taken to the woodshed on for not mentioning. And we didn't. And that was Harlan Ellison's The Boy and His Dog. You know. Yeah. Um, gee, look, Don Johnson. Great. Uh, in the sense that he was in it. Right. Um, weird, like, pseudo Kubrickian weird madness that wasn't awesome. But there was a dog. It was like John Wick, only different. <laughs> well, given the ending, yeah, just different. Well, I, I've got one, too, that um, that when I was Electric a kid, dreams. No, there, there's a there's a movie that I read in like in the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction and Sci-Fi Now. It's a movie I never saw up until I want to say five or ten years ago. Hmm. And uh, no one's going to remember this, but it's from 1972 and it stars Oliver Reed and it's called ZPG zero population growth and it's all about um the it's future it's got miniature effects and everything mm-hmm. and oliver reed uh, there's an overpopulated future earth whose world government executes people who violate a 30-year ban on having children mm. and uh it was a movie that i i'd never seen and i was surprised at how many visual effects there are how many miniature effects and again it's it's comes right out in 1972 Along the lines of things like um, uh, THX one one three eight, I mean those Orwellian dystopian civilizations that seemed every science fiction movie from nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy five, Rollerball being amongst them, The Ultimate Warrior, No Blade of Grass, whatever, all these weird sci fi dystopian films, but I'd never seen it, and it's kind of got this pop art early. And I think it, these things would have made some of these might have made our list, but nobody knows them. We haven't watched right. them. I'd never even seen this until a couple of years ago. I actually own the Blu-ray. And I don't want to do a remake of that. Rob honestly. already had too many movies on his list that no one has ever seen. <laughs> That's right. So, well, well I, th- I feel that a lot of these, like especially growing up watching these things on on the afternoon movie on or on Sundays or late night television, there's a lot of things that kind of fell through the cracks. I don't know if they're great though. Yeah. Well, that's funny because you mentioned this film, which is there's, there is a real renaissance of British science fiction, obviously, with the Quatermass Quatermass films and and then. But, you know, also something like Day of the Triffids, which is actually, I think, probably one of my favorite of the British sci fi. films. Absolutely. Mm hmm. the Triffids, when terror reigned from the sky. The day of the Triffids, when the Earth orbits into a nightmare. When the solid world of everyday reality disintegrates. Whole population is driven by fear towards insanity. The day of the Triffids, when destruction closes in from every side. Ha! 
mine too. It's going to be starvation, fire, pestilence. Anyone caught in the middle of it doesn't stand a chance. I think we ought to get out of here and go on to Spain. How can you know it's any better there? I don't. It doesn't seem to have any central nervous system. Then how does it move? All plants move. They don't usually pull themselves out of the ground and chase you. You have never been married? No. Why? I guess I've never been in one spot long enough to get caught. And now you are saddled with a family. It might have its points. The day of the Triffids, when law and order are overwhelmed in an avalanche of terror. No, there's a lot of that. Like you said, the Quatermass movies, there's a lot. You know who didn't make our list? Somebody who I was obsessed by in the early home video days was director Peter Watkins, who made like uh, the war game which dealt with a fictional nuclear attack on, on Britain, the gl- gladiators, which was a, a, a war game where people really killed people as an early precursor to the hunger games, uh, things like punishment park, um, which well, was clockwork orange esque kind of. That, and that was where all that Xerox technology was developed. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was all, but all that stuff, these are, there's a lot of really rich science fiction films that have existed, but I don't think they belong on the list, except for Zardos. That obviously yeah. Well, and Tripods was another one of those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that spirit, there's... Did we talk about Omega Man? Yeah, it was yeah, on the list. Yeah. Was it on the list? Oh, yeah. God, guys. Back when Good we did point. this a right. year and a half ago and recorded yeah. it. Sorry, uh, I'm old. All right, cool, cool. All those were um, Soylent Green, Omega Man, yeah. Yeah. Silent Running. Yeah. 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 All those. Rest yeah. in the, peace, the great Douglas early Crumble. 70s dystopian world. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, all, all those dystopian uh, 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 films uh, were there. You know, now, speaking of Doug Trumbull, one movie we didn't really talk about uh, was a Brainstorm. Yeah. A movie yeah. that I really like, actually. Me too. I really like it, too. Yep. Um, the problem is, it's, uh, it's not Top 101 because it's, it's not finished <laughs> and, it's, and it's, uh, it, it doesn't really work. Yeah. That's the problem. It's like black the black uh, the black hole uh-huh. like the final countdown. It is. It feels like one of those movies that just you. The idea of it sticks with you. Um, there is a lot of incredibly cool ideas. The way that it approaches those ideas is endlessly interesting, and it doesn't quite satisfy at the end. But it you know, there is the in that movie when Natalie Wood makes the tape for Christopher Walken about why. It's the opposite. Christopher Walken makes the tape for her. It's one of the most beautiful scenes in a movie ever. Ever. Absolutely. With, and James Horner, James Horner's score mm-hmm. yep. Great. is incredible. And then when they finally do play the, when the thing happens yeah. at the end, right. it's pretty compelling. I mean, Absolutely. It, and there's Absolutely. a lot in and, that movie that's really, really good. And in December, when we do the 101 greatest scenes from science fiction movies, <laughs> it'll be on there. Yeah. Which we'll be recording until 2025. That's but, right. But, by the way, did anyone by any chance read the interview with Christopher Walken in this week's New York Times magazine section? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so great. 
Okay. Walken is in prime walk-in form. And, uh, you know, obviously he never cares what people think and just says what is on his mind. And, you know, no, it, I love hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's so funny, I, but he's not trying to be funny. Yeah, it just is. Yeah. You know, and at one point they ask him about some obscure movie that he did. And he said, oh, did that ever come out? I had no idea. And it's like, <laughs> and he says, I remember thinking that was going to be a stinker. You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just like, he's a bizarre, you know, bizarre. And he says, you know, sometimes it's more interesting not to play the part, but to just play something else completely. And Which he does often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he says, it just keeps it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another movie that we didn't talk about that we forgot all about, which I kind of feel bad about. And I was, you know, doing some notes for Ashley and I was looking for pieces of music that I, and there was one I was going to uh, was Danny Boyle's Sunshine, mm. mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is a fantastic film. It doesn't enti- again, a, a movie that doesn't entirely stick the landing. Yeah. Right. But as because it's got it suddenly takes a Tarkovsky turn, you know, a Stanislaw Lem turn. Yeah. But it is an incredible uh, film. And the piece of music, there's some uh, the score for that film is amazing. Yeah, it's and it has beautiful. amazing effects and it really casts a great spell. So uh, there, there's something about that movie that I, I really like the really like the concept. I really like uh, the setup, but the execution is just kind of it just never hits it for me. And yeah, I think story it, has, level. it has some. Well, and also, I think in the design level, the design level is so all over the place. Yeah, that there's no focus in it. Mm. And it that hurts it for me as a mm-hmm. as a visual viewer, um, which sounds redundant, but it really is a visual viewer. And well, no, 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 that's not redundant. It's uh, it's just it's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, it's it's not redundant at all. It's like it is you or you experience film as it's intended to be experienced, which is it's a visual medium. Mm. And for you, the the visuals were disjointed it didn't tell a complete whole story in the same yeah, way that's that the story right. didn't. yeah that's what another I meant. So you're allowed to say <laughs> another movie that i stick in this i don't know why i think of these two movies as a pair they have nothing to do with each other other than the fact that maybe they're derived from british production companies caligula a, and the cat from outer space event horizon oh right oh, yeah that came up yeah. a few people yeah. mentioned event horizon yeah people Except- love that movie yeah i, I mean i it's, love event horizon and, 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 but uh, here's i i do but the, the thing is, and this is, this is, I think, a larger question, right? There are a number of films that I think skirt the line between what is horror and what is science fiction. In the same mm-hmm. way the time bandit skirts fantasy and science yeah. fiction. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, talk about Event Horizon or Village of the Damned, yeah. right? Which is arguably science fiction, but it's really, it's horror. Altered States. Right. Is that science fiction or is it horror no I it's, it's states, i think it's but, i think it, didn't we didn't we say altered states no we, we did not no. and it was something that was brought up numerous times by oh. our listeners yeah that that's an egregious error i think i don't think so all right come on uh, i don't know that it was an error i mean uh, i love that a, movie it's a better concept than it's a film yeah i don't know man jordan cronowitz shot it i watched it recently it, it, I, it's it's pretty heady and adult i i really like altered there's states. a reason patty chayefsky took his name off of it Oh, well, you know, uh, but uh, Ken Russell, you know, Ken mm-hmm. Russell's an acquired yeah. taste and it's not yeah. for everyone. Um, uh, you know, I can altered states is one of those things where like it wouldn't be in my top one oh one if we're doing the top two oh one. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. 
In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. What happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting up with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. Now, I'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to there minimize the no risk. Way. I'm really frightened. We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure. Now, how do we stop this? We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. He may be on to something that is beyond our own comprehension. Now, because I believe him, I want this thing stopped. The hell is that? You okay? If you love me, if you love me, Eddie, defy it! Altered states. Um, you know, and that's the case with a lot of these films. Um, you know, another film that had come up numerous times uh, uh, that people mentioned was uh, Neil uh, Neil Sagan, Carl Sagan's Contact, directed right. by Robert Zemeckis. Can't believe we left that out. radio source from deep space can neither be confirmed nor denied whatever it is it ain't local position i checked into barometry somewhere in lira i think uh, vega can't be it's only 26 light years away i want all these people out of here you're having sent this announcement all over the world may well constitute a breach of national security oh, this isn't a person-to-person call this may be an announcement to get our attention the president's called an emergency meeting. You know those interlaced frames that we thought were noise? This says structure. I'm going to recommend to the president that we militarize this project immediately. There's no reason to believe that their, their intentions are hostile. There's no proof of that. Why don't they just speak English? Mathematics is the only truly universal language, Senator. Buried within the message itself is the key to decoding it. Those look like engineering schematics, almost like blueprints. It is our belief that the message contains instructions for building some kind of machine. A machine? It might turn out to be some kind of a transport. Transport? The fact is, you don't know what it does. It could be anything. Nobody's saying this is dangerous. They're gonna build it. Who gets to go, though? It's complicated, Ellie. Who gets to go? By doing this, you're willing to risk your life. You're willing to give your life and die for this. Why? Um... There's a reason. No, I love that movie. There's a reason. It's too on the nose. Agreed. That's my reasoning. It's too 
on the nose about its message and about what it's trying to say. There's no subtlety. It's just bam, bam, here's religion, here's science. Let's see him fight. Yeah, so- but I mean, I do think the whole idea of getting the deciphering of the message and it's it's got great character stuff in it and it's 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 so much fun to watch. Look, parts of it are fun to watch. The last Other parts five minutes. Aren't. Yeah. Those last five minutes are extraordinary. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I just I love the whole well, the thing that sticks with me the most about that movie is when South Park did a whole thing like and it was just, you know, it's like the end of contact. And it turns out she's just talking to her father. And I'm just like, yeah, that pretty much sums it up for me. It's like there's a lot I actually dig about that film. But but in a way that turned out to be a deeply unsatisfying way of kind of getting her like into that conversation. Oh, I think a lot of it to me is uh, Zemeckis's direction style. Mm-hmm. It's it's so up and down, and his uh, his touching scenes are are off kilter, and the uh, meaningful scenes have too much stuff going on, and it's just it, it's it's kind of a mess until you sort of have to parse it all out in your mind. Um, and the, mm. the tone the tone goes back and forth on it just so much that I can't take it. I understand, but I do think that the once the the information comes out and the way they deal with this message from Vega and the political jockey, you know what? I think maybe I see it more as a political thriller than as a science fiction movie. Yeah, but the problem is, as a political thriller, it's so um, it's so simplistic that there's no there's there's no shades of gray. It's all you know. you know, creepy, creepy Christians and uh, and uh, good scientists. And also, and, John Hurt is God, and we know this because yeah. he flies around in his airplane all the time. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but also, why well, build John one Hurt, when you so can have two at twice the price? That's a great. That's a great line. Want to take a, great a ride? Moment. There's some good stuff in that movie. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because we, you know, contact with something. There's another filmmaker uh, that I think people. Were really surprised uh, was uh, notable by their omission, and that was the you know not only Inception but Interstellar both didn't make the list. Yeah, yeah, I would have put. We didn't put Inception on the list. No. That no, I, does I, I feel love like Inception. a bit of an oversight to me. Yeah, I think that's uh, Interstellar bothers me, but I love Inception. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? Mr. Carl has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Like a work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. It's called Inception. Already. Feel 
It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. This is your responsibility. We are not prepared for this. collapsing. I have it under control. I'd hate to see out of control. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. There's things I really dig about Interstellar, but but I don't I, I don't know that it again it doesn't stick the landing. And Inter- um, Interstellar is a mess. Inception, yeah. I, I I would have I would have agreed if we had uh, you know picked something to for it to replace, mm-hmm. uh, but we just didn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing about Inception is aside from the device, the whole idea. I think there's a case to be made that nothing in Inception is actually happening. Right. That the whole movie, the entire movie, not just part of it, yeah. is a dream. Yeah. And and ultimately about a man who's I, I find Inception to be very sad, but I Absolutely. I love it. But I don't think everyone, everyone's like, well, this part of the movie's real. I don't think any of the movies. No, real. I agree with you. Yeah, it's all a dream. And it's all about a man trying to get over the loss of his wife. And I find it poignant in that regard. And it's it's really interesting. A movie I do think that I love that we should have put on the list is John Carter. Yeah. I love John Carter. Oh, I hate can't John go Carter. there. I no, love it, man. I Come on, I don't hate it. I like it, except that it's it's structurally it's a mess. I mean, it's a complete mess. Like you, you could have cut out so much of the beginning of that film. Like the, the point of view is completely screwed up on who who we should be seeing all of this. What um, you know? I, I just uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. Other than like there are scenes lives. that I like. And I like the little dog that runs fast. That's cool. my but I, my problem is the casting. The lead is just has yeah, no screen presence whatsoever. He's terrible. He looks once. good though. Does he? Yeah. Well, I'm not. You a have fan. different tastes than I do. In men, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you, Ashley. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Rob's polyamorous. You know, he doesn't care. That's not true. <laughs> Everyone looks the same in the dark. So uh... that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. It's true. But, but I want to ask. Uh, I want to ask Ashley. You, but you had mentioned the um, this idea that you know, obviously, we were not doing horror movies. We we're not doing superhero movies. We're not doing fantasy. So where does Invaders from Mars fall? Is it horror or is it sci-fi? And did it That's... belong on our list? from Mars. He saw them land from outer space. He saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. (laughs) Father turned against son. People changed into strange, weird animals. A general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. 
the boy's parents changed into killers. But nobody's getting anywhere out there. Nobody can locate anything. Anybody. The Martians. We've got to stop the... Invaders from Mars, capturing humans at will for their own sinister purposes, turning them into diabolical instruments of destruction. <laughs> Invaders from Mars, weird, fantastic beings of a superintelligence, ruling a race of synthetic humans and pitting them against mankind's dream to conquer the universe. Come on, step on it. Search every tunnel. We gotta find Ronaldo and the kid. When the colonel gives a signal, get back here on the double! That's a terrific question. I think it is probably more sci-fi. Yeah. Um, Are you talking about the original or the remake? I'm assuming you're talking about the original. I'm talking about the original. Yeah, Toby Hooper was lucky to make the list with Life Force of 98 or wherever we put him. Exactly. Um, No, I think it is. I think it's science fiction because it is. It's not about the psychology of what's happening. It is not about the emotional relationship of what's happening right and this is going to be going to sound insane as a counter example but scanners right mm. like scanners on paper is really about science it's about a drug it's about experiments it's about all of the implications of all of that but at the end of the day scanners is about people um, it is about their horror at what they're capable of becoming, um, their fear of what others can do to them, loss itself, all those things. And, and, and certainly fear is a big part of Invaders from Mars, but it's it is mind a killer. It, right. It's, it's a it's a but it's a social fear. Right. Right. It's a social commentary versus a psychological commentary. And I think that's to me, that's kind of the difference. Also, nobody's eyes. Uh, pop out of their head in Invaders from Mars. Rob, you're, you're a huge Cronenberg fan. Obviously, most of his oeuvre would qualify as horror at the very least, but uh, Existence mm-hmm. would be more sci-fi. I, look, I, I absolutely think that's that's true. I mean, I think the the problem is is that Cronenberg's, Cronenberg's movies have like a science fiction element to them, but as, as I, Ashley pointed out, that's usually a jumping off point. Right. And it usually... The ideas of perception and sense of self and all of those things. I mean, you look at the brood, the brood has a mad scientist doctor. I think the brood is a horror movie, but he uses a certain technology, psychoplasmics to to externalize trauma, you know, externalize pain into and, and turn it physical. Now, that's a pretty interesting science fiction idea, but it's really played as a horror film. But really, ultimately, it's more about it might as well be ordinary people with horror elements, mm-hmm. you know, about the destruction of the family. And yeah. and I mean, if anything, Cronenberg, I mean, existence has a lot of it deals with virtual reality and there's there's a lot of stuff in there. So I, I would I would go. But but I don't think existence really is great. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I want it to be great, and I really enjoy watching it, but I don't think it's it doesn't entirely work. The ideas yeah. that that it brings up are not really realized. Right. It's it, it everything is handled cursory and in throwaway lines, and it, there's no there is no point where I believe that Allegra Geller is a, a game designer. Mm. Yeah. No point. Weirdly, I felt like Cronenberg's heart was not in that movie. Like it, mm. it, it, that's a maybe an odd thing to say because it's definitely one of the the films that we talk about when we talk about Cronenberg. But it just yeah. he didn't seem invested in it like he wasn't saying anything personal in that yeah. film i enjoy uh, it i do too but you're i think you're right ashley that he doesn't invest it i mean even though he wrote it as well i think you're right it seems like he came up with an idea and wrote this movie but it's not as personal to him as say his version of naked lunch right which right. i think is very personal to him um but all, i think all of his films he he, he exists in a nether world I mean, he's one of my favorite directors, but it's called Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are dicks. We've apologized for Canada on more than one occasion. I have to say, though, his new movie I can't wait to see is uh, Crimes of the Future, which is not based on his short, uh, his celebrated yeah. and uh, student film. But and I can't it's, wait not, to see it. it's not based on the honeymooners skit uh, Chef of the Future. I uh, know. <laughs> you know, uh, a couple of people also brought up and I. I think we have an answer for them, the Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. But I think our consensus was these are horror movies, not sci-fi movies. Even mm-hmm. though, based on the letter of the law, they are science fiction. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But the film versions took them into a new genre. Yeah, when you look at Boris Karloff and you look at about uh, you know uh, windmills and pitchforks, yeah. it was less about a scientist yeah. reviving the dead. Yeah. You know, it's not about that. That's just trappings. It's definitely. Not. I mean, the the book is arguably science fiction because it's about the implications it's arguably the first science fiction yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i would say going back to cronenberg the fly i don't think we included the fly we did did. oh we did has it been that long long. (laughs) because but i would make the argument that the fly is in fact that's why it's on the list it is in fact less horror than it is even though it's horrific yeah, it's really no, it dealing is absolutely with... science fiction and dealing with science fiction ideas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but and both. And that's the reason both the Cronenberg version and the Vincent Price version are on uh, our, we're on our list. Yeah. Um, somebody who did make our list is the very talented uh, Ryan Johnson uh, with Looper. Um, Looper, Looper, Looper. Anybody got Looper? <laughs> Anybody check your card? Check your cards. Um, uh. I, I really love Looper. You know, it's the the 4K is coming out. I recently rewatched it and I forgot what a tight little little movie it is. But again, it has a science fiction conceit to it, but it seems more. I mean, yeah, okay, there's time travel, but just because there's time travel, is it really a science fiction movie? It's more of a personal journey. I think it is a science fiction movie, but. I think the most interesting part of that movie was the part that went largely unexplored, which was, you know, uh, uh, Gordon Levitt sort of looking at Bruce Willis and, and saying, how the fuck did I become you? Right. Yeah, you know, right. And, 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 and by, you know, contrarily, Willis looking at this, how was I ever this guy? You know, and I think that was the really interesting exploration. Mm-hmm. And, and it largely went unexplored. Um, but uh Look, I'm a huge fan. I was a huge fan of Ryan Johnson with Brick. I, you know, I've liked most of his movies quite a bit. 
Um, I think Looper's good. Uh, I don't necessarily think we made a mistake not including it in our 101. Agree. It like it never lands a knockout punch anywhere. It's just it's just good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot yeah. of people and the list shouldn't... isn't the list isn't good science fiction movies. It's the best science fiction movies. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Which also may explain why um, you know, when people say why wasn't Star Trek three on the list? Um, a lot of people also who know our taste and and saw Star Trek two, Star Trek four, Star Trek six make the list. Where was Star Trek five? People asked. As much as we love Star Trek five, it's because of the intent of Star Trek five more than the execution. Right. Absolutely. It has no place on a top one one no, sci-fi list. Of course you know, and there's also there's a lot of there's like there's two movies I think of um, Predestination, the movie with Ethan Hawke. That's an adaptation of Heinlein's All You Zombies. And then I think of Never Let Me Go, mm-hmm. which is another Never Let Me Go is is a fantastic movie about, well, spoiler alert, cloning. Based and, on a great novel by Kazuo Ishiguro, who wrote yes. Remains of the Day, of all things. And I think that the movie's fantastic, but it's so, you know, again, it, it actually deals with what are the moral and ethical ramifications of cloning. But like, you know, like, a, like Michael Bay's The Island or whatever. Right. It's, yeah, that didn't make our list either. No, but, it, <laughs> but who's, I, who's complaining about that? No, no. But it's, no those one. are it's still it's still a movie that I always revisit, and um, you know it absolutely is dealing with science fiction themes. But the rest of the movie, if you didn't know know that, it wouldn't appear that way at all if you didn't know anything about yeah. the film. Well, along those lines, I think a case could be made for "Open Your Eyes" and "Vanilla Sky" as yep. well. Yep, absolutely which didn't make our Lines. list, but but are both you know uh, and uh, the original Spanish film, and then of course the American remake, which are both quite good. Um, but weirdly feel like eating my vegetables when I watch them. (laughs) And then there's a, there's a whole litany of like Japanese science fiction movies, whether it's the Mysterians or Gorath or the green slime movies that I love. (laughs) Yeah. Battle Royale or Matango, the attack of the mushroom people pulse pulse is great. I mean, and that is that what a haunting horror slash sci-fi film Frankly, if we're going to go there, you can make an excellent case that Godra is a science fiction. Which was on the list. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was on our list. Oh, my God. I I must have gone to the bathroom at the same time (laughs) or different times. It was so long, even we fell asleep. Yeah, that's right. Look, guys, we're (laughs) sleeping in shifts, okay? What we don't know is that we recorded this podcast. We just rotated. These little windows, they're wise. We have well, done these. all at once. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the dystopian films of the 70s. And then, of course, there's also, uh, you know, a subgenre of like the hunted person in the future. You know, so you have stuff like the 10th victim and the then later man. on the running man. You know, yeah. are these yep. films worthy of inclusion? <laughs> no, well, there's a whole that's whole subgenre of 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 humans hunting humans, things like. I would add to that turkey shoot, a.k.a. Escape 2000. My God, dude, there's a pull, but that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, with where you've got a, a fascistic that you put non-desirables in a camp and hunt them like Australia. Post-apocalyptic. Little, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's it, and that movie's got some incredible violence in it. You know, part of that whole Hunger Games, 10th victim subgenre that keep people keep returning to again and again. 
And what happens when science fiction becomes reality? Like Firefox? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, you know, I think the thing that obviously came up many times, which we have to address, it's probably the biggest science fiction movie of all time. Certainly, you know, next to Star Wars. And of course, that's James Cameron's Avatar. Uh, And James Cameron was well represented on our list with uh, two of the Terminator films, two of the alien film, uh, one of his aliens film. Um, But Avatar was was not represented. Did we make a mistake or I think that put all of his great movies on the list? We did. Yeah, I think so, too. You Jake Sully. I'd like to talk to you about a fresh start on a new world. You'd be making a difference. I became a Marine for the hardship. I told myself I can pass any test a man can pass. All I ever wanted was a single thing worth fighting for. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora. You should see your faces. We have an indigenous population called the Na'vi. They are very hard to kill. This is why we're here. Because this little gray rock sells for 20 million a kilo. Their village happens to be resting on the richest deposit and they need to relocate. Those savages are threatening our whole operation. We're on the brink of war and you're supposed to be finding a diplomatic solution. The concept is to drive these remotely controlled bodies called avatars. They're grown from human DNA, mixed with DNA of the natives. Marine in an avatar body. That's a potent mix. You get me what I need, I'll see to it. You get your legs, babe. Your real legs. Hell yeah, sir. Looks like you. This is your avatar. Just relax and let your mind go blank. It shouldn't be hard for you. I mean, look, I, I, I love, I am an avatar apologist. I mean, I love avatar, but, but, but while it is, has science fiction trappings, it's not really about, 
you know, it's 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 a it's an ecological message of of uh, protecting the environment. I at any one point, Iron Eyes Cody should turn and look and you should see a tear, you know, rolling down the side of his face. Well, maybe we'll see that in Avatar two or three or four. Well, like, it was an amazing uh, use of technology. It, it, it made 3D huge in a way that Space Hunter Adventures were in the zone and coming at you never could. Um, <laughs> Metal Storm, the destruction of coming Jared at you in our list. <laughs> but, um, but Look, you know, it, 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 you know, it obviously is a movie worth worthy of tremendous amount of respect, and it has a lot of really cool things about it. Like uh, Ashley said, uh, we put Cameron's great films in our list. Unfortunately, Avatar is not one of them. Yeah, it it has some fun things in it, but it's it's not that good. Yeah. Well, the Alien Alien saga was well represented with Alien Absolutely. Aliens and Alien Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, one film that we didn't include, uh, which uh, you could make a case for, is Prometheus, which is beautiful production design, great cast, Michael Fassbender uh, uh, playing. Uh, you know that Lawrence of Arabia scene is spectacular. Uh, it looks amazing, uh, and yet you know that was nothing. That also didn't make our cut. It, but it's I, so dunderheaded. You I know, think any, dealing with any movie, any movie that features a cast of idiots doesn't deserve to be on our list. Well, that would eliminate. Well, a lot there of goes us. Ice Pirates. <laughs> yes, God damn correct. it! Yeah, I, I think a lot. Pirates. We could probably lose a lot of films in our top one hundred and one <laughs> if we illumin- eliminate characters that are dumb, but, including think- Star Trek Six. But I think Prometheus might very well be one of the most disappointing science fiction movies ever made. Agreed. I, I mean, yeah, it, I, I can't go there. I, I think it's a much better film than that. Oh, I it it it, it wasted such a great opportunity to me to it, it could have been so. And the thing is, I want to every time I watch that movie, I want to love it. Speaking of I want to what about I want to believe? What about X-Men fight the future? X Men, X Files, the X Men fight the future. Yeah, when the uh, the, well, you know, the X Men did do a movie where there was an alien invasion, and it sucked. Um, but it was called Dark Phoenix. Anyway, uh, but X Men fight the future. Hmm. Gee, guys, they ruined their own mythology. (laughs) Yeah, the X Files movies are are a bad representation of X Files, the TV series and movies. I mean, it had everything going for it. And it's like, come on, man. That's where you really have to, you know, we, we can once again sing the praises of something like Star Trek, the motion picture and Star Trek two, which did justice to the series that spawned it. So many of these, these, these films, you know, which were extensions uh, brand extensions. I mean, X-Files was a mess from start to finish. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it, it, was- it you have Terry O'Quinn as as part of the conspiracy, and he just agrees to stand and let himself die in a bomb explosion. For what reason? Yeah. What reason? I, I mean, it's and Seemed then like it a good idea at the time. And the whole the whole these these the aliens have been living in a giant spaceship in the Arctic for how long? You know, and I, I mean, what? Yeah, I. It's stupid. As we all know, you should never kill. Terry O'Quinn in anything. No. Well, you can't. Although Martin Landau's good in X-Files Fight the Future. Tell us your Martin Landau story, Rob Burnett. I cannot <laughs> tell that story. Yes, you can. Do you ever tell that story on the Burnett work? I have not. You know what? I have not ever told my Martin Landau story. That involves... I've always wanted to meet Neil Patrick Harris again 
to ask him if he remembers the story oh I tell goodness. about Martin Landau. This is a story involving the Playboy Mansion and something I can't tell because we would get canceled. And the okay. grotto. But it's yeah, but it's true. It's an absolutely true story. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it. He thought she said that? he thought she said catch their germs. Oh, oh my god. I, I could never God. look at Martin Landau the same way after that. I just looked at him with uh, uh, admiration, sincere, sincere admiration. admiration. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Martin God, warrior. And, and I had been talking did... to him earlier in the evening about working with Hitchcock, and he was very excited. I even remember that he did work with Hitchcock. But, but what did Commander Gorski think about it? Commander Gorski. There's a there's a poll. Wow. <laughs> well, speaking of which. Did uh, Destination Moonbase Alpha uh, uh, deserve to be on our list? No, because it's not a movie. I mean, it Uh, is, but it was was. released theatrically. Yeah, Uh, well, yeah. No, if if it started life as a TV show, that well, then Big Big Galactica made our list. So, speaking of which, Buck Rogers Awakenings, the two-hour movie that debuted in theaters, did that deserve to be in our list? I will tell you what qualifies the theme song. The theme song, exactly. The main title sequence. My God, I will never forget the first time. Like, and I didn't realize it existed until I got the DVD set, and I popped that in, and that main title sequence came up, and they were singing, and like, <laughs> and it was all the women, and he was just like Lithing around. Right. Uh, it was mostly uh, Aaron Gray. Uh, mostly uh, Aaron Gray. Uh, it was a low rent uh, James Bond uh, credit sequence. Uh, <laughs> and it was still more entertaining than No Time to Die. Our our singing group is not gonna cut it. No, oh, no. you're no Kip Lennon. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, imagine, imagine all the people who want to be Kip Lennon. No relation to John. Which was abundantly clear <laughs> when you heard the song, and, and we didn't. We didn't. Also, we didn't include things like a trip to the moon, George Melier. No, we didn't. Know, we right. and and the Earl. We, we included Metropolis, but we didn't go. I mean, let's face it: the audience would not be happy. If, well, George Melier's trip to the moon. Look, but this isn't about pleasing the audience. This is yeah, about pleasing. Clearly pleasing not. And look, <laughs> and this also isn't about um, uh, marking important films for cinema. Mm-hmm. Because True. a trip to the moon is an important movie for cinema, but for science fiction, it is absolutely not. I think the most gratifying responses we got to our list were the people who said, "Oh, I hadn't heard of this movie. Yes, I'm going to watch it. I'm that, going yeah, to stream it. Or I'm going to buy it. I want to know. Would you like to know more? Yes, I would. Well, great. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of the people were watching Life Force as a result of our recommendation. As long as they <laughs> watch the international version. <laughs> cut to everyone who's saying that going you bastards that was really look that to me was was the real triumph of the list um so i gotta ask because we talked about how uh some of the x-files blew the franchise you know in terms of uh the transitioning to movies um another a franchise that transitioned from a cult tv series to a sci-fi feature was serenity Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. As sure as I know anything, I know this. I aim to misbehave.
I'm taking your sister under my protection here. The only people she's a threat to is us on this boat. It isn't safe. They're coming. I think we better go. Where are you hiding, little girl? The Alliance wanted the reason they shouldn't have sent an assassin. Every minute you keep River Tam from me, more people will die. This is your fault. I don't murder children. I do. The Alliance has gone to enormous trouble to find you, friend. You'll know what it is you're carrying. You know that girl. She is a might unpredictable. Mood swings of a sort. It's worse than you know. It usually is. It's a fair bet the Alliance knows what's coming. No. They're not gonna see this coming. Let's be bad guys. We're not alone. No more running. This is gonna get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all gonna die? I want to resolve this like civilized men. I'm not threatening you. I'm unarmed. Good. Mm. Crickets. Crickets. No, Cricket. you know, here's Cricket. my problem with that movie. It asks you to believe that the Reavers this maniacal cannibalistic race also somehow can fix spaceships and mm-hmm. be spacefaring. And we're created by a genetic virus. Yeah. And I just am like I, that always, even when I watch the movie, I'm like, come on, man, come on. Really? Well, the, the beginning of that movie is really great where really they kind great. of send, you know, um, she would tell you for that was awesome. Yeah, as sort of this bounty hunter, this kind of sort of cerebral Boba Fett after, um, Summer Glau, right? Does he does he also take naps while his wife does all? Oh, the work? he also disappears for an hour of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that stuff's great. Then when it becomes about the Reavers and and killing off all these beloved characters, yeah. is where it starts to falter. But um, there's a lot about it that's that's really charming in the way the TV series was charming. But then it kind of flounders halfway through. I'm going to I'm going to uh, like make TV some anime. enemies by saying this, but I, I never I never liked the TV series because it was. Yeah, because it was uh, it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Is it sci fi? Is it a Western? It doesn't know. And it's it's not really good at either. Well, I'm taking the sky away from you, Darren. Yeah, I, li- I like Firefly a lot. That's I'm fine. with Darren on this one. Thanks. But I love Cat <laughs> Bane. That's like my new favorite Star Wars character. Oh, you're wrong. Oh, he's awesome. But he's not he's new. Not- I know. He's I mean, I, I watched the Clone Wars and <laughs> right. the, the Bad Batch. I mean, he's not new. I know. Like he's Why a thirteen-year-old? Of course, he knows who Cad. Why Bane would you is. kill that character? Why? Because it's. I stupid. don't think he's dead. Why would you kill Space sure Lee Van Cleef? Come on, man. He's Space Lee Van Cleef. He's I space, love that. And I That's love. All I want for my Star Corey Wars. Corey Burton's voice. He was so. He was. That was the one character in the book of Boba Fett that knew what show he was supposed to be in. Yeah. Oh, ain't that true? <laughs> it's so true. He knew what exactly what he was. He knew exactly. It was like here we go. Where's this show? Yeah, oh, I, I just I couldn't get enough of him when he comes out of the cloud of dust uh, in the Tatooine sand and says, 
you know, Tatooine, but Mos Espa belongs to the syndicate. I'm like, yeah, baby. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> right, it does. Finally, we're at the show we we're supposed to be in from the beginning. Why wasn't the book of Boba Fett in your list? <laughs> no, yeah. lots of reasons. I, there's so many great lines about it. the book of Boba Fettless. <laughs> you know, the brochure of Boba Fett. Right, so... <laughs> the book of everyone but Boba Fett. <laughs> it's so funny, but and yet, and yet, you know, I have to say, I find I do not find watching these Star Wars TV shows a chore. Let me just say, no, that. they're they're fine. They're fun. Some of them are <clears throat> fine. They're fine fun yeah. and fine fiddle. The Moss Espa Vespas. Come on. I don't find it a chore to watch. How can you have put those in the and not played something from Quadrophenia? Yeah. There's no, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, how, there's CSI uses the who so well, but you can't you can't uh, you can't use the who from Quadrophenia. Like, no, you know you what? You can't have the space. Who? It, it, it obviously yeah. is a misstep. Space. It was a misstep. Space. And I understand the idea of paying homage to George Lucas's roots. Uh, with that, but it didn't John work. Jet and the scooters. It, John Jet and the scooters. It didn't work. Clearly, it didn't work. You know, but uh, I, you know, I've said this before on the show. To me, let's try spinning. That's a good trick. The, <laughs> the these these Star Wars shows are like what Six Million Dollar Man by Ike Wonward us. You know, I think you know twenty years from now, are people going to be talking about them? Probably not, but they'll still be making new ones. And yeah, except uh, except they spent on one episode what they spent an entire season of $6 million man. Yeah, so it's like Battlestar Galactica 78 is really what it is then. But, which but at least the most with Battlestar Galactica 78, you still got some interesting episodes. Whereas- well, no, it's, it's actually more like Galactica 1980. Because in Galactica <laughs> yeah. 1980, they promised that you're going to have the whole crew of the Galactica and you just don't, you just don't see Lauren Green. Yeah, but Galactica 1980 was unwatchable. I mean, Galactica 1980 is a terrible show. But you at yeah. least have flying motorcycles in both. Yeah, oh. that's true. That's true. <laughs> Come on. Man. You know, there's a problem when the flying motorcycles from Galactica 1980 are way better than the ones in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> but I mean, That's I like the second episode. I like the whole training the Tuscans. The, the, oh, it was the, great. Yeah. If the show it. had been that, it would yeah. be fine. Well, yeah. and if the but Tuscans had shown up in the finale, like yeah. it paid off. Well, been a payoff. Like, I couldn't believe yeah. that. The army of Tuscans should have shown up. The, the unified yeah. tribes of the. And how Dunland great East. would that have been? How great would it have been? Lost, the all is lost moment, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden they come the over the hill come in. and yeah. it's, it's dance with wolves, Lawrence yeah. Ray. Because they're doing real Bravo. Right. We're going to ha- we're going to stop in, in this place, this, this, you know, bar. We're going to hang out here because it you're doesn't surrounded. Stick the landing because they just don't have the guts to do it. Well, let's not go back to our Helm's Deep, uh, a fortress where we yeah. can defend it yeah. <laughs> with an aerial bombardment. If anybody comes too close, no, let's hang out here in this destroyed bar with no door on it. That's good. When you lose logic, you lose a good story. There was no tact. Anyway. There's a Spock. There was not one bit of tactical. <laughs> uh, there's there's no tactics, battle tactics at all. Let's just stand in the middle of the street so somebody, some sniper can take me out. Yeah. We're, we're digressing though. I like Grogu. We're so, we're so what are we talking about now? Oh yeah, the uh, movies that we forgot. We forgot. We, we so wait. forgot them that we forgot to talk about them on this podcast. <laughs> but you know what? The Star Wars shows have permeated the zeitgeist. Everyone's talking about them. You know, they they, they whether you love them or hate them. You know, they they get a cultural conversation going. You know, which is there's another franchise which could benefit from that. But let's talk about why Star Wars <laughs> isn't number one. 
What do you mean it's not number one? It's not number one on our list. No. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about why Star Wars is number one on our list. Um, why isn't Star Wars number one on our list? I'll tell you why. Because it is not a it is not a science fiction movie. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with science fiction concepts aside from taking place in outer space. So it's got spaceships and stuff. Right. Just because something has spaceships. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. The but- problem was they really wanted Star Wars to be number one, but I kept pushing for Annie Hall. And uh, <laughs> I, I, as a result, we had to come to some kind of consensus. Well, we, we missed the uh, the uh, special director's cut of Annie Hall, where Annie turns out to be a replicant. <laughs> well, you know, Annie Droid. I knew it was. Um, I mean, look, if this if this were the 101 greatest space opera movies. Right. Star Wars would have would won. be number one. But I think that given the title that we had a responsibility to, you know, have the number one be a science fiction. I thought that it shouldn't have made the list at all. Well, we know you kept saying that, (laughs) but you were wrong. So, um, but, but, you know, the thing, you know, know, ultimately I think to, you know, a a show about, you know, big sci-fi ideas, we had to have, you know, 2001 Planet of the Apes, these movies that dealt with big sci-fi ideas. And that's what we, why it came down to those two films. Yeah. Star Wars ultimately is a confection. No matter how much you talk about Joseph Campbell and all this other pretentious stuff, it's a Which delightful confection. Yeah. It is, it is delicious. It's yeah. like, a, you know, it, it's a great dessert. It's fun. You know, full of calories. But, but it, it's fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at its core, it's not about um, it is a complete, absolute fantasy film and yep. it has not anything to do with science fiction. Nope. Really. No ship that small has a cloaking device. Well, I mean, look, it's got it's got that's no move. it's got superficial trappings of science fiction, but it's but not that's true of so many things on our list. I don't right. know. If they, I agree. I don't know. It's like that's the that's the science fiction equivalent of the weeb argument about anime. I mean. It's just, yes, like we can split hairs on the technicalities of it, but the truth okay, of the matter pick, is, yeah, it's science fiction, but it's it's space opera. It's a particular out, subgenre of science fiction. It could be, but it, it doesn't have a concept at its core that isn't anything but fant- fantasy itself. I mean, that's it, no it, moon. It's a space station. But that's a sci-fi concept. Look, if we we're just talking about all the Stephen Hawking sci-fi MIT Ashley, no, Morgan, no, because I no. wouldn't be doing the show. No, I wouldn't care. <laughs> no, because well, look, okay. Here's here's the argument I'm going to make, uh, it, like on uh, on Star Wars behalf, right? And it all comes down to this, right? It's you're this technological terror you've constructed is nothing compared to the power of the Force, right? Which means that. There is an argument that the power Star Wars of, of on, God, the power of spirituality, which flies in the face of everything that science fiction represents, except that which is why contact isn't in the list. The, yeah, that's right. The uh, the the simple fact that the question of what is the value and the power of technology, right, is an important question in Star Wars. Like sure. that is the question that Darth Vader poses, and it's a valid question. I mean, you shouldn't right. like dismiss it as like it's a non-science fiction idea because it's absolutely a science fiction idea. Now, do mm-hmm. I think that Star Wars counts as science fiction in the same way that Planet of the Apes does? Absolutely not. Or two thousand one? Absolutely not. But I don't think that we can just sort of sit back and say, "Well, it's the same as the Lord of the Rings," because it just fucking isn't. 
Look, and some of the most interesting science fiction deals with the idea of the secular world and spirituality. That's right. I mean, a lot of the 50s sci-fi movies like War of the Worlds. I mean, this stuff was completely uh, um, connected, you know, yeah. in terms of uh, and, and I, you know, 50, you know, the 50 sci-fi movies deal that with a lot. I mean, when worlds collide it starts with a freaking Bible verse. Right. Um, you know, and okay, I but, think that's interesting. But here. OK. Arthur C. Clarke, the great Arthur C. Clarke once said. Oh, good science Lord, science yeah. fiction is something that could happen, but usually right. you wouldn't want it to. And fantasy is something that couldn't happen, though often you only wish that it could. Right. Okay, well, there goes Star Trek. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, no, because there goes no. half the movies on our list. <laughs> there goes half the movies on our list. No, but 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 I life I, force. I wish it could oh, happen. I wish it could happen. No, you don't. Oh, yes, well, I do. <laughs> parts of it. But um, <laughs> only the I mean, like the reality is, is, is Star, Star Wars could have happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We don't know. Were you there? Yeah. Well, but, but Star Wars is a fairy tale. And not even some... Master Yoda had a midichlorian count that high. But there's you guys, not are, you guys, until, not until the 90s. Again. <laughs> OK, I thought you wanted to have a real debate about this. No, because there's nothing to debate. I mean, escape from the planet of the apes could have happened. It's real science. I mean, go through. I'm not going to go through the list because then it's going to be another 12 part. No, because uh, I but but I would say, look, the idea that that our technology would lead to the demise of humanity is definitely a valid science fiction idea. The fact that you dress it up with devolved or evolved apes and devolved humans, that's pretty goofy. But at its core, the idea of dealing with technology and how it is outpacing our ability to deal with it is very much a science fiction idea. Okay. By that logic, our number one movie should have been Michael Crichton's Looker about how technology is affecting <laughs> advertising and algorithms in order to sell stuff well, for commercials. Well, but I, I can that, get behind that. But that is true. And the thing is, I mean, the thing about though about 2001, dealing with, a, with a, um, an alien intelligence that is vastly superior to us is something that may very well exist you know it, it hasn't we haven't it hasn't happened yet and what would happen the question is what would happen if we were faced with a a vastly superior intellect how would we deal with it and what would it do to us as human beings and our place in the universe that's well, very much a science the, scar idea. the scarier part of that is that a vastly superior intellectual race wouldn't give a shit about us well I don't necessarily think that's that's true, because what if what if what if the true nature of our universe is that is that intelligence life, our job is to know the universe itself, that the right. only the universe exists, but the only the only people that can know it is what it brings forth in 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 our intellect or something along those lines. And those are whereas Star Wars has all of these trappings but at its core, it's not asking a science fiction idea. Right. It's asking very earthbound ideas and it's dealing with earthbound spirituality and it's dealing with it with there's not a central technological question or existential question that Star Wars is really asking that would be considered science fiction. I agree. Look, this, is, this thing is always a, a Venn diagram, right? Of yeah. You know, of what are the, the qualities that kind of lead us to that that top couple of picks? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it, the second that I think that we start getting overly aggressive with those filters, like we just had like 30 minutes ago, a fairly good conversation about the separation between horror and science fiction. Right. And that is a blurry line. Um, but I think with, with this list, we made the right call, man. Like, yeah, you know what? Planet of the Apes in 2001 should have been the two films that were duking it out. Um, Star Wars and everything that came out of it, particularly the Empire Strikes Back, like is, is, a, is a worthy part of this genre. Like we can't just sort of say it's, you know, it's, it's like Harry Potter, but with ray guns, because it's just not, right? right? Um, at some point, like we have to kind of well, let the genre be the genre. But of course, and look, I, I would say that's like in a Venn diagram, Star Wars does intersect. But, you know, Star Wars, other than Vader saying, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. I agree with you that most science fiction deals with in our state of technological advancement. What does it mean to be human in that instance? And that question, don't be too proud of this technological terror, is very interesting if that was really at the heart of of Star Wars. But our characters in Star Wars never question all of this advanced technology. They don't question AI. All of this stuff doesn't matter to them. It's just part of the world. And at the end of the day, Star Wars is more interested in dealing with belief and and, uh, religious religious belief in an all-powerful being or an all-powerful force as opposed to dealing with the, what, what the ramifications are of technology or AI or any Which of those Which is fine. Things. So it's not as deep and complex as some of these other things, but it, it, it's still science fiction. I mean, if you ask 99% of the people on the street, it, what genre is this? They say science fiction. They're not going to parse and say, oh, it's space fantasy. Unless you were at a, science, science, unless you were at a science fiction convention. Then yeah, you yeah can, but, but none like, of those, those people are nerds. They don't have lives. You know, <laughs> I was just trying to say why Star Wars years. isn't number one, guys. Have you ever kissed a girl? <laughs> you could make a case that Star Wars should be number one, but you know what? But in any it case, be a, it's another three-hour podcast. I'm I'm very happy with the way we we picked. I think uh, 2001 and Planet of the Apes. 2001 is a, is a masterpiece. Um, you know, it, it is is timeless. Planet of the Apes is an extraordinary film, uh, and and um, I have no I have no regrets. If you could swap out one film for something else, what would it be? And that you know, I think that it would be a good place to end this episode. What would you swap out? Now I have to look at the list. I'm I'm very happy with our list. I would would change I would change the order of some things, but I wouldn't Mm. change the content of the list. Yeah, I I might swap out Armageddon for for Looper, but. but uh, the, I, I'm, I'm very happy with the list. Yeah, I'm very happy with the list as well. I, I would, would agree with you, There's religion for you, Rob. I mean, because Armageddon is really about all the worst parts of the Bible. <laughs> no, but it, uh, no, look, would I say that Armageddon, yes, Armageddon is a science fiction movie, but ultimately it's about preventing, using technology to prevent the extinction of us, of, of, our, of our race, you know, of humanity, you know. You'd swap it out for Deep Impact, Rob. I know. No, but I think you're. I would swap out Armageddon for Looper. You know, because because Looper, what what would time travel technology mean? What would technology mean to human existence? Right. If you could travel through time, mm. how what would you do? How would you grapple with? And I, and I, and I think that that that's. And I don't mean to be snobbish about this, but 
I think the great science fiction movies, whether it's Colossus, the Forbin project, which was on mm-hmm. our list, you know, what are we going to do in the face? And we're, we're approaching the singularity. What will happen? Is it going to be her, the movie her, mm. or is it going to be Colossus? You yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and, and if these things come to pass, you know, Battlestar Galactic had a spiritual component to it. But again, it asks you the question, if we are to create AI and we are to create a race of a slave race, I mean, Battlestar Galactica is far more compelling in terms of the ramifications of creating a slave race than, say, the first season of Picard. What we would do with synths, which reduce that question to fantasy or religion, that there's a giant space Cthulhu out there that's going to come eliminate us because we've created AI in the form of human humanoids, which doesn't make any sense at all. We didn't uh, put Plan 9 from Outer Space on our list either. That's true. Which is about creating a race of atomic super beings. Yeah, so, there you go. That's true. Yeah, and it, so. it wasn't, you know, due to the success of Plans 1 through 8. Um, it <laughs> is Plan 9 that would <laughs> And I, I, I think Darren's not wrong when he maybe he says that her should have been our, in the top 101 rather than an honorary mention. I don't think that's wrong. Um, the only things I'm looking at on this list that I go, eh, even though I was, I think I was the one who said what the hell it was, was um, I get why the Martian is on the list. I totally get why the Martian is on the list, but you know what? If you don't remind me that the Martian happened, I, I don't really think about the Martian. It's incredibly forgettable. <laughs> it's very forgettable. Oh my God. Come on guys. No, I is. love the Martian. I, I, like, I think the Martian is terrific. I'm glad it's on our list. Yeah. I mean, look, the the Martian, the thing about the Martian is that absolutely could possibly happen. A lot yeah, of things could cares? possibly happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with putting Matt Damon on Mars and seeing if he can survive. I'm see if he can science it. the shit out of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, yeah. Yeah. You know, Rob, we're really going to piss you off when we replace it with Brian De Palma's Mission to Mars. Oh, boy. Right. Although like I, I would replace I it with X, the man with the X-ray eyes. I enjoy Mission to Mars. It has some good stuff in it, like yeah. when they're over over mars and uh we lose uh we lose shawshank redemption we right. lose uh you know andy dufresne you know how to read you ignorant fuck <laughs> you have to do it a little slower i don't have to do anything <laughs> <laughs> well this was great i look I'm, I'm so glad we did this because there was like i said such a great uh an overwhelming reaction uh to the list and a lot of requests for the final list um and so i'm glad i'm sure we missed a few other ones that people brought up um of course but, we did uh, but the, the 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 bottom line is of course we missed some of your favorite movies of course because we're different people and we have a different sort of uh, objective to this list because we want it to be entertaining and informative and we want to give you some that you haven't seen before see that's what's so great about darren the way he parses that I would just say because we're right and you're wrong, but I'm trying to couch it in more. Uh, <laughs> but Darren, uh, on the other hand, is like, oh, well, you know, we, we understand, we feel your pain, we don't but, want to trigger you. But, uh, my my answer to all these uh, comments were, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Yeah, only murders yeah. in the in the starship coming soon. Can't wait. An entirely different podcast. We are going to be solving murders. It's going to be great. Oh, no, we're on the Exeter. Shit. You know, now we got to. 
kind of go down and uh, hang out with what we got uh, here is two bothans dragging a third <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll start bothans. with this guy who says star wars isn't science fiction what happened to him i don't know well don't wait know. a minute I wonder, airlocks. can i read you guys something this was written by a guy named simon dillon simon he, said, he says idiot? he says inherent inherent in the first star wars film is the joy of leaving home and parental figures to discover your place in the world However, inherent in the second film, The Empire Strikes Back, is the unpleasant discovery that having gone through the rite of passage of leaving home, life can be very tough. Luke's hero's journey also takes on a quasi-Arthurian tone, given the ironies inherent in a quest to avenge a fallen father, only to discover that the foe is, in fact, his father. I shall avenge you. And the concerns of science fiction and fantasy are clearly different. For those who still think Star Wars is science fiction rather than fantasy, Consider the scene where Obi-Wan sacrifices his life so Luke and the others can escape from the Death Star. The events are identical to Frodo and the Fellowship escaping from the minds of Moria and Lord of the Rings. The only difference is that the Star Wars scene takes place on a space station. Star Wars is science fiction. Star Wars is not How science fiction. How many movies does someone I was sacrifice say, themselves? Right? It's like, I can get platoon. that reductive with any... It's, like, it's, like, it's not episode. a World War II movie. Right. It's just saying... Uh, so Simon, Simon, thanks, Simon. Simon says, so what? Beep, oh, beep. Mark. I'm with, I'm with Mark on this one. I'm with Ashley. <laughs> it's true. We're together. <laughs> I'm with you, too. Polyamorous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad, uh, Rob, Ashley, you were able to join us this week. I, I think it, it's a lot more fodder for discussion on social where people can join us uh, at Inglorious Trek or Inglorious Trexperts. And now at the Trexperts BR briefing room on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, you oh. can follow Rob Burnett daily on the Burnett work on YouTube. So check out uh, Rob and, and uh, you'll hear more from Simon, no doubt. And, you will. Uh, and also uh, want to thank Ashley, whose uh, second season of uh, Dota Dragon's Blood is currently uh, streaming on Netflix. So check that out. And of course, Darren has a super secret project, which we'll be unveiling someday. And we can't wait to see it. Can't wait. Gonna no have. waiting. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty exciting. Someday. someday. And, uh, and there's a new version of the Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, CD uh, that's coming out from La La Land. There is. They just announced it. Fantastic. Uh, uh, now, should we buy this one? I don't know. You want to? Well, well it sounded it... like it's remastered and like, oh, it sounds good. Like, is it, is it new stuff? Is it remastered? What's the deal? I'm not exactly sure. But I think if you like Star Trek The Motion Picture and want to support it, buy it. <laughs> Okay, great. Let's get Neil Bulk on for the one hundred eighty seventh time. Yes, all right. It's worth Absolutely. every every cent. That's There's that's worth double dipping. Too many times <laughs> to even count. That you know I... what just dropped an expanded version, Rogue One, which has a yes, wonderful score by right. Michael really Giacchino. Yeah, so awesome. Okay, well, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank our. Um, uh, uh, Peter Holmstrom, uh, our archivist and producer, uh, Natalie Miscali, and of course the great Bill Ritter and Mike, Mark Rivera, who've done such a great job uh, mixing us throughout the last, uh, um, throughout the pandemic, which is just going on and on and on. And it's space fantasy, not science fiction, but uh, it could happen. And uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been great having you here with us this week. We'll be back next Friday with an all new episode. You can join the Trexperts briefing room. 
uh, Saturdays, uh, wherever you listen to the show. And until next week, uh, we wish on behalf of Robert, Ashley, Darren, and myself, Mark Altman, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. I want it. You probably think I'm beautiful, Dr. Roberts, but I'm not. I want it. My nose is 0.2 millimeters too narrow, and my cheekbones are 0.4 millimeters too high. I want it too. I do television commercials. They want a certain look. I did surgery on several girls a few months back, commercial actresses, and there have been some suicides. You don't know what's going on. This is more than commercials. They're killing all the girls that are perfect. DMI measured some girls for possible surgery. We were conducting an experiment. Hi, I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female type, 18 to 25. Here you see a typical computer model being made. Hi, I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female type, 18 to 25. What have you got me mixed up in? I have a right to know if somebody's trying to kill me. You're listening to the Electric Surge Network.